Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the golden age of baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello, everybody. Mike Moynihan here with Bench Clear Media, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we talk vintage sports cards, baseball in particular, because that's my jam. And uh, this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. It's Friday when I'm recording this episode. It's, it's interesting how technology works, but I'd already recorded this several days ago. And unfortunately, as we reviewed the, as we reviewed the tape, as they say, about halfway through my audio just decides not to work anymore. And so hopefully that won't happen this time. And I can do a clean recording to share what I want to share today. And what we're going to talk about today is vintage card prices, because looking at this every, you know, few months, I've done at least one, maybe two episodes on this. It's a, it's a fascinating thing to track and to kind of draw lines in the sand with what's going on in the market. A little bit of history lesson for you. If you're not familiar, 2020, obviously pandemic stock or stocks, uh, card prices go up tremendously. We see this huge boom in the sports card market driven by many factors, but vintage kind of lagged behind a little bit. Modern cards were the ones that really went nuts at the beginning. Vintage picked up steam, hitting a peak in uh, February, March, April timeframe of 2021. And what's funny is it's it's a market that's not unusual for markets. All markets have these cycles that they go through. And it's driven largely not by fundamental things. Like if you think about vintage cards, fundamentally, none of those players did anything different to enhance their card values. There wasn't anything intrinsically going on that made their stats better or their career achievements more magnificent. And yet prices went up. It's because, in my humble opinion, that it's a market driven by emotions. And guess what? Most markets are driven by emotions even stock markets and cryptocurrency and precious metals and you name it. Emotion plays a huge part in all of those. And to illustrate that point, I'm going to show a a thing here that, and I'm going to talk through it. If you're listening on podcast, there's this cycle of emotions that, that all I'm going to use the word, the I word, the investor word, but that everybody goes through and it causes us to have our behaviors change. And if you look at this cycle of investor emotions, the the timing of this cycle, how long it lasts is different every time. But you can kind of, if we look at this together and talk through it, 
you're going to see that this is kind of what's going on in the sports card world. If we start where there's just optimism, there's there, there begins to build some excitement into it, which we saw in 2020. Then it becomes a thrill as you see prices rise. It becomes exciting and, and thrilling to watch. In every market, there reaches this peak of this euphoric period, which is, again, in the vintage market. I think we saw that uh, about six, seven months ago, eight months ago. Uh, once you hit that peak, that euphoric period, that's when everything is at maximum risk. If you're if you're a sports card investor and you're like, man, what the problem with that is when you're at this euphoric period, think about euphoria. It kind of drives us to do silly things and make bad judgments. One of which is a thing called recency bias. And we, we all have this. This isn't, I have this and so we all have it. Recency bias is that whatever's happening most recently is going to just continue. We just expect it to continue. If things are going up, we expect them to keep going up. If things are going down. We expect them to keep going down. And we have this very pessimistic attitude. So there's that recency bias that affects both ends of the spectrum. But when we're at this euphoric where there's, there's maximum risk, meaning where else can it go from here? And I know that I was thinking that in February, March, April, like how much higher can these card prices go? Because they seem a little bit in the stratosphere. And you know, when I think it's, there's this funny thing that I like to equate to these periods when we get to these peaks, when every Tom, Dick and Harry is asking you all, all your high school friends are asking you about sports cards and you know, you're seeing all these posts by, by stay at home moms on Facebook that, Hey, I found my husband's old sports card collection or whatever. I'm wanting to sell it. And that's when, you know, you know, things have gotten probably a little bit out of hand. Once the euphoric period turns over, you you turn, it starts becoming a little bit of anxiety. And then you get into this denial phase of, well, this is, this is a temporary blip. Things are going to turn around really quick. It's that recency bias that kicks in. And you, you're in denial that things are really heading a little bit further down. Then it becomes real fear. You're like, whoa, I'm, I may have missed my opportunity to get out at a period of peak. You become desperate. Also think about all these as ways a dealer might think, you know, too, is they, they're acquiring cards and building up their inventory. These guys that just got back into the hobby and or trying to flip cards and things like that. As things start going back down, again, this fear, they get desperate. They start to panic. And then there's this capitulation like, ah, oh, we're screwed. This, oh my gosh, everything, I'm, I'm underwater on all these cards. And then they get depressed. And what that causes them to do is, at depression, create maximum opportunity for the collector because we go, great. They're ready just to get out. They're going to just fire sell everything. And you see that. You've, I've, I've seen prices come down not only on eBay, but it shows and stuff that, that dealers are willing to deal because they realize how much capital they have tied up in certain cards and they're ready to get out from under them. And we look at it as a collector like, great, let, let's. I'm not selling anytime soon, so... I want to make the most of that maximum opportunity that we see down at the bottom of that cycle, which then as we hit the bottom, however long that might last, you, you 
start to get hope again, relief, and then optimism and the cycle just starts all over again. And why that's important to keep in mind is you need to be thinking about where we are in that cycle. I would say we are somewhere between desperation and panic at this point. I don't know that we've hit the bottom of this cycle. And what's interesting is in all cycles, it's not that you get to a peak and then dip back down below where you were. I, what I think it is, is a cycle that's moving ever higher, meaning the highs are always new highs and the, and the lows never get back to the lows they were before. I don't see vintage baseball cards getting back where they were pre-pandemic. That's not what I think the trajectory is. I think you're going to have a new reset of a new low level somewhat higher than it was pre-pandemic. It's a lot of technical talk there, but it's important to remember that you're never going to get them as low as they were two years ago. So you can just get that out of your mind. I don't, I, I don't think that's going to happen barring some outside force, some major financial, you know, macroeconomic issues that we might have. Not to say that can't happen. It's just not, that's not what I'm kind of thinking will happen. And so you've got that going on and there's data to back it up. I'm going to show you some things here. What I'm going to show you now is understanding that I track pretty much, I don't track everything. No one, well, not no one can, I don't. <laughs> and, but I do track the cards that I own. And so the cards I'm going to show you and the price changes that I'm going to describe are literally my cards that I have that I track. It's not every grade of every card. It's simply things that, that I happen to own and can, with uh, a high degree of certainty, tell you what's going on with those. So what I want to open now is a spreadsheet that I have. And this is, if you're on YouTube and watching this, it's going to be slightly different through this. Um, my top card, my collection is, is the Mickey Mantle rookie card. I have it in the PSA five. And what I did here was I tracked, I tracked just kind of different lines in the sand and where we were um, at the peak and all that kind of stuff. You might say to yourself, well, Mike, using peak price isn't fair because only one person gets to sell their card at peak price and it never stays at a peak. That's the whole point of a peak. It's 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 a moment in time, maximum value of that particular card. My point with it of showing the peak is to show how euphoric we got and to show where that was as a as a reference measure, as a place to look at and go, wow. That's where it was. Look how crazy that was. So as an example, again, this 51 Bowman Mickey Mantle, um, peak price of that card, which happened in when did that happen? March of 2021, was a little over $55,000. And the funny thing is you all go, oh, I wish I would have sold it then and then bought it back now. But you don't, again, you don't know that in the moment. You don't know where that peak is. If you did, you just got lucky. If you happened to sell it then, if you were that guy that sold that card at the peak price, you just got lucky. It wasn't anything prophetic on your part, I promise. You just don't give yourself that much credit. But peak price was 55 grand, a little over. 
Currently, that card as of I did all this data as the end of October 2021, a little over 31,000. So you're talking about a 43% decline in a Mickey Mantle rookie card, one of the most iconic cards in the hobby. And that's not an uncommon theme. The 51 Bowman Willie Mays rookie card. I have it in a PSA 2. So that's what I track is a PSA 2. It got to a point uh, in the peak where it was almost $10,500. It's now $7,700, which is still where higher than it was in December 2020, mind you. Right? So that's my point is you're going to see this drop, but not necessarily back to I don't think it's going to go back to December 2020 prices, but that's a 26% decrease in that card. And not to belabor the point, Roberto Clemente rookie down 51% from the peak, which happened on that card back in February. And then you've got uh, a bunch of cards that I track that don't even have, you know, we have a peak price, like wherever it was at the highest, but, since then, some of these cards don't sell that often. In fact, on a lot of them, there haven't been any sales since the peak period. And therefore, it's difficult, if not impossible, to track where they are today. But you've got uh, even modern cards, like the Mike Trout rookie. I have that in a PSA 10. At its peak, which was uh, February 2021, it was up to $7,500 for a Mike Trout PSA 10. Granted, best baseball player on the planet, but that's <laughs> that's even a little bit nutso to me. Well, it's come back down to earth. It's now, you can pick one up for about $2,750. Again, at the end of October, I haven't looked literally since, so that might've changed up or down, but that's 63%, say almost 64% down from the peak. So I think it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I wish I had a lot more modern data to share with you, but that's not where I spend a lot of time looking around and hunting, but I would imagine that that's more than the vintage stuff is down. So that doesn't surprise me, honestly, that that's true. Um, Ernie Banks's rookie is down 25% from peak. Jackie Robinson stuff, although his stuff saw this meteoric rise during the pandemic and and post pan you know into 2021 even his stuff is down i got cards that are down 25 percent 54 percent 63 percent 45 percent from peak uh other mantles beyond rookies i have a 64 tops and a psa 7 that card has come down 52 percent from the peak even cards like sandy koufax's rookie which i thought and still think is pretty undervalued. Like right now, I think Sandy Koufax stuff is pretty cheap. Uh, I have his rookie card in a three. It got as high as $2,250 ish. Uh, currently, that card is about 875 bucks. It's down 60% from the peak. And I think Mays, Koufax, guys like that <clears throat> are great pickups. And, and I'll say this until I'm wrong. But uh, they're still alive. So picking up their stuff, I think, is pretty smart. There's always a post-mortem price jump in their cards that usually kind of sticks around for a period of time. But those guys are still alive. I still think that stuff is, is reasonably cheap. But you're seeing, again, I just have 
example after example of big vintage cards seeing a nice little pullback from the peak. And then there are a couple of guys that are interesting because a couple of players where you're not seeing these precipitous drops from the peak, you've got players like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio that are main, they're, they're still down, but they're only down like 5%, 4%. There's not this huge drop. And that's not surprising. These are, we're talking about some of the greatest players ever. I would imagine if I had Ty Cobb cards to look at, it would be a similar to the Babe Ruth, Christy Mathewson, Walter Johnson. If I had cards like that, that I was tracking, that I would see a similar result of smaller drops from peak. And that's, that's a good thing. It shows you that those guys were probably criminally undervalued before. And uh, in talking to friends, we all agree that that's kind of what's been going on. That Those guys were just so relatively inexpensive. It just made no sense. And so they're finally getting their due and, and getting the appreciation in the, in the price pricing of sports cards that makes more sense given their accomplishments and contributions to the game. So that's all well and good, Mike. Thanks for all this data, whatever. Yeah, thanks for telling us what we already know, that prices have dropped. What does that mean? What do we do? What does that mean? How do we, how should we feel about it? Well, my feelings about it, this is how I feel. I'm a collector who, mind you, is actually taking a break for the next few months buying sports cards because we're doing some things uh, personally to do some financial movement around and, and getting in a better sh shape for next year when my wife wants to stop working. So I'm taking a little sabbatical from buying cards. I hope it just continues. Honestly, I want it to go down further, not because I want uh, people to lose money, but I'm going to want to start acquiring things again. And I want to buy them as cheap as I can call me crazy. That's, that's what I do. I want to buy stuff cheap. And you also have the worry about, um, not a worry, but thinking about, okay, if that's true, then do I think things are going to keep going down tremendously? No, I think we've, you know, we're at a point now where I think things are going to stabilize quite a bit. So if you're, if you bought cards at the peak that you wanted to resell and now you're holding on to them, I would tell you, just be patient. It's probably not the best time to unload your cards unless you have to, to, generate cash flow. You're not going to be happy with the results that you get most likely in selling them on the secondary market, but that sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. That's that's part of any market, any asset that you buy. We all think and have this silly bias that we just think everything's going to always be a winner and that's just not true. So be patient if you can. Things will turn around at some point. Again, I don't know how long these cycles last. I wish I could tell you an exact day of perfect this and perfect that. That's just impossible. So be patient. If you're wanting to pick some stuff up, if you were worried at the peak and you've kind of just, you threw up your hands when you saw prices going nuts and you were like, forget about it. I'm never going to be able to pick up that card. You might want to revisit it. You might want to go back and say, hey, now might be a good time for me to, to, pick these cards up again. Could they go lower? Of course, of course they can. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 
but uh, it's a very interesting time to be in the sports card world. It's interesting to watch all this stuff. People say, well, Mike, aren't you sad because your sports cards aren't worth as much? I would be if I, again, I would be if I was selling them all. <laughs> I would be a little sad that I missed that opportunity to sell at or around peak prices. But since I have no intention of doing that, I, it, it doesn't really affect me day to day. And I would tell you, if you're worried about it and you're a collector and you're a long-term sports card guy, don't sweat it. It's not a, you know, I've been doing this 40 years. Let me tell you, I've seen many of these cycles come and go. It, it'll happen again. It'll happen again after that. So just interesting to watch. That's I, I love watching. It. I love tracking. It. I love seeing it. And I, no matter which direction it goes, I'm like, wow, interesting up or down. That's my reaction typically is, wow, interesting. That stuff's come back. Maybe ooh, that's a, that's getting attractive again, I think, for somebody that wants to pick up that card. So I know this is a much shorter episode than typical. Uh, I just wanted to come on and really just go through this. I'm happy to answer questions, talk through it. I'd love to hear your opinions. Leave them down below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcast, feel free to give me a, a ring or jingle on Instagram at Baseball Collector Mike. Pretty easy to remember. You know, shoot me a thought. Shoot me a, uh, you know, what you think. Am I crazy? Am I wrong completely? Am I out of my gourd? That's actually possible. So that's okay if you feel that. We can think differently about things. It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, that's doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't, you know, this is my opinion about things through my experience and uh, maybe over 40 years gaining a little bit of wisdom about how this stuff works and trying not to sweat it. You know, it is what it is. You can't change it most likely. So uh, just enjoy the ride. It's a roller coaster. Don't jump off the roller coaster. And uh, that's it for today. So be back next week with another episode. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks to you, those that are listening. Hope you have a great weekend and keep collecting. Yes.